Don't be afraid of being something more. It improves must-chat. You're searching to be more, you're searching to learn more, you're searching to do more. It's a call to action. It's a call for ownership. A means to really live, whatever that means to you. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Live a Larger Life show. Uh, I'm James Fitzgerald. I have my three uh, comrades here with me today. This is episode 10. Um, we reached double digits. Uh, make sure you, um, see if I get this right, like not only this video, but this entire show. Like this business. We really, I really want you to like me, but uh, you want to like the, the, entire, uh, the entire thing here. Subscribe. There is an option for subscriptions for our show. Correct? Correct. On Correct. YouTube, yeah. On YouTube, yeah. And podcasts. Oh, and don't forget to five-star us on uh, podcasting, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we don't take anything less. So if you decide not to, uh, just instead send in a, um, an email. We have an email that they could reach us at. Sure. The people. Yeah. What's the email? Marketing at opexfit.com. Marketing at opexfit.com. Welcome. Uh, should I just keep rolling here? <laughs> You're, yeah, let's I mean, just keep it on radar today. Let's keep it on James the whole time. Welcome to the show. <laughs> um, I'm going to take the whole topic today. Uh, the All-American Award uh, this week goes to Bob Johnson. Uh, he's never going to watch this show. Um, and it's not a, just a figment of my imagination. He's my neighbor up in Cimarron Hills. Uh, Bob is 80. He's retired. And um, he's, uh, I just got into, you know, jamming with him the past couple of weeks. Uh, he's teaching me how to use ham radio. Um, really, uh, yeah, really great hobby. And uh, it's lots of learning involved in it. And uh, I'm really into it for uh, going off the grid, basically, and still having forms of communication and being able to do that, and also teaching my kids about it, too. Anyways, Bob is uh, 80, uh, served for our country, um, had a great career, um, had a great family. Kids are off and working, and uh, he's uh, doing day-to-day -day things that would indicate he's on the path to a, a vital finish, let's say. So he gets the All-American Award this week. I was going to say either Bob is giving you a fake name or you're giving us a I know. fake name. Because that's just such I a... I know. Bob Johnson. I know. We joke about it. We <laughs> joke about it all the time. Um, back to me. I'm not done. I still have uh, some updates what's going on with me. Um, I just uh, uh, finished um, Happiness in Action. I think I updated on a previous show. I don't know if I, if I did not. No? I Remember it was so. about the, this book that covered uh, philosophy and fitness? No? Okay, cool. Anyways, fantastic book uh, called Happiness in Action that I just finished. Uh, this individual took an approach of trying to uh, get to all the good things that we learn about philosophy, and he tied it into all the things that he learned with physical expression. So you can imagine it was a really, uh, uh, not a really important book for me to read. Uh, it gives me great language moving forward on that whole area of intention. Um, he repeated some of the things that we discuss of exercising for the sake of itself. Uh, really powerful notion in one sentence that you could, you know, think about. Um, uh, physically, physical updates, because uh, I usually do that. Uh, nothing to report. I'm killing it in hockey. Um, like scoring goals and beating a lot of old men, making them feel like they need to whip up their, their health and fitness and their lifestyle. 
to get on par with this guy. Ice hockey. Um, ice hockey, yep. Yep, Saturday morning, no, sometimes Monday afternoon. You, you look like the you look like a foot hockey kind of guy. Just like go into a pickleball court and just like tear down the net and just bring your boys in and you guys are just playing foot hockey. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, gosh, it's not even called foot hockey. I can't believe that. <laughs> it's like foot hockey. What is it it's called? It's like a combination of soccer and hockey. Um, phew, ball hockey. Is it's called it's ball called? hockey. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Could you're using be I can't believe hockey? I didn't know you're that. You're using like a lacrosse type ball thing? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like a heavier. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a remember, wiffle ball. Yeah, I remember uh, yeah. playing that when I was a kid and yeah. you just didn't want to get hit in the balls yeah, yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not ice hockey. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make the point of ice hockey to field hockey to roller hockey. Um, they shouldn't even be called hockey. It should be called just like moving around with a stick in your hand. Um, I'm just a purist for ice hockey, but anyways, we don't really play nice hockey. We don't really play that sport in this country, so we wouldn't really. You actually, you don't even know how much you play it. Anyways, conversation for another time. And I'm excited to just started a book, uh, a biography written in 1917 by Lord Chatham on no other than Abraham Lincoln. So to hear uh, some of the words inside and uh, remember being written at that time, you get you get grasped, you know, not by just the smell of the old pages, but uh, you get pulled into like how things were at the time because this was only, I guess, a couple of decades post-death, post-assassination. Um, so anyways, I'm deep into that and uh, learning lots. So that's my uh, check-in and radar. Candace. Awesome. What's up? I, this past weekend, watched a video on uh, PragerU from, from Dennis Prager. He was throwing out the question of, what do conservatives wish to conserve? Or he was just pr- trying to propose a, a more clear definition of conservatism. And so it intrigued me. I popped in and gave it a listen. There were a lot of great nuggets. Um, and he really just focused on uh, the fact that conservatives really just wish to conserve the very best from the past. And that the less conservative you are, you're more for change. And kind of hitting home um, that no conservative is really against change uh, or new uh, per se, they just are kind of against change and new for the sake of change and new if it's not better. Um, and I just thought that was a really awesome thought. And uh, yeah, it was a great video. So I just thought I would th- throw that out and bring it in today because there are a lot of people or, you know, conservatives will be like, oh, yes, I'm a conservative. Um, but no one really defines it. And it's like, what what are we conserving? Well, we're conserving the, the very best thoughts from the past um, that have stood the test of time. And if they've stood the test of time, that's likely because they're great. Um, and yeah, so just rallying around those things that are great, obviously leading from an education standpoint um, with like giving people the things that we know are great from the past and then allowing them to take on or bring new ideas, contribute new ideas and solutions if they are in fact better than what existed. Um, but of course, you know, today we have a lot of trouble with that because we're not sharing the things of the past that were great with, with youth to allow them to have that as a really strong foundation. So there, yeah, there were so many great nuggets in that video, but, um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I've not listened to it or read it, but I'm, I'm happy that, uh, some are taking the stab at, you know, at least saying this is what we're going to define it as. Because I think more recently, especially the past couple of decades, it's been more about, like we said on the pre-show, around the show horses versus the workhorses in regards to your political view. Um, and I think in a, I would call it a traditional, even traditional conservative stance, you kind of clearly knew right from the get-go what was going on. 
You know what I mean? But for 2022, the fact that it's questioned and that we got to define it and actually, you know, uh, I still think there's a lot of um, room for a healthy debate and argument inside of that definition. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I like the fact that they're at least taking a stab at saying, no, like this is what we... This is what we really, you know, believe in. Yeah, I mean, he did kind of go into core core values, like obviously focusing on freedom, primarily freedom of speech, Mm -hmm. um, liberty, and then a lot of highlights on the Constitution. So there was a lot of like throwback references. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned those because those aren't conservative. Mm -hmm. You see that that that's that's just a that's a governmental stance or like the 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 base support that I guess we all stand on. Yeah. Right. Uh, So if you'd given me other ones then, you know, uh, maybe, maybe that, but it still doesn't discount the idea that, um, I, I have a, I have an irk or a tendency to that, I think because of what I appreciate in traditional concepts of movement, right? So I, I kind of blanket and move into that area because I really do believe in holding on to in my lens, the things that I truly do believe over time have stood the test of time. So what is that? That's called traditional concepts of like you know, mm-hmm. what is good and what's a great base of support that everyone can like flourish off. So what does that sound like, right? Yeah. That sounds like in a political realm, a conservative concept. So I think that's why my tendencies to understand and be empathetic of that view, mm-hmm. I really do appreciate. Uh, and last point on it too, I think over the, the past number of years, um, this word realignment has been coming up. There's actually a podcast out there called The Realignment uh, that Cigar and uh, Marshall forget their last names, apologize, gents, but uh, that they do. And uh, they've been discussing this for a couple of years now, this like big shift and people not knowing like, well, well, what is your stance on this? And what is your stance on this? Because 20 years ago, it'd be completely flip-flopped in some different situations, you see? So it's, I just find that interesting in your point of like a definition of it. I think that's needed because a lot of people really don't know what it means by that. It's, um, I it's, think it'll be helpful over time. Yeah, gosh, it's a hard one to define though because I, I did jump in and watch the video because I was the really The definition interested. of conservatism? Yeah, mm-hmm. because conservatism, right, in a traditional sense is tied to the idea that people need sentiments to guide them, right? Like we need morality to shape and guide the people of the future and that's brought down through communities and families building this up because if we don't have these sentiments passed along, human nature and our rationalism and reason is not enough for us to make good decisions and lead to fruitful societies. And the thing I guess I found a little bit problematic um, with his definition of conservatism and honestly with just trying to define what conservatism as a whole is, is that we all do have different understandings of morality. And from what I got from that video at least, his morality is very much uh, derive from his faith. Uh, Not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I do think it's challenging to then say that this is the conservatism we need to expand to everyone in America or to Mm -hmm. all people that identify as conservative. So that that was uh, for me just a little bit challenging to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that, uh, and I see that's the reason why I think defining it takes balls. Like that's why at least you're gonna say, well, this is what I think it is. And as I mentioned, there still is a healthy debate, though, on that definition, even to your point that that has to be like embedded inside of the conservative concept because you talk to, you know, you can't talk to them, but look at Thomas Jefferson or Thomas Paine's readings and they all have a different perspective. That's still a conservative outlook, yeah. but it's tied not whatsoever to moral um, moral sentiments. Well, I think when say. he goes deeper on topics, he definitely like pulls from faith, but the base definition of of um, liberty and then conserving the very best from the past as a simple definition 
you know, obviously each individual is going to have their own idea of like what is the very best from yeah. the past. But yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a uh, I would just say that the, your last point on the, uh, you know, conserving what's best from the past. I think if there was a period after that, I think that's, that's unarguable. I think that's pretty, you pretty much got it locked in for that because mm -hmm. um, the liberal consensus in terms of the enlightenment building and progressive concepts of, you know, society and man working together to kind of create this future prospect is not what you just said in that, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that we, it's corrupted or we got to look beyond it, but you know, I, I think that holds steady. Or just not um, pursuing new because if the old is not work, if the old is not working, obviously, then there's like reason to go and pursue new and interesting thought. And we should always be pushing ourselves to do that. But if, uh, if you're coming back to things that have stood the test of time and are proven and are, are providing real value and like why seek change just for change's sake, I think is the discussion that he, I heard him having. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think, I think that's super, a very, very important point that progressives can hold as well. Mm. Um, to be progressive doesn't mean that you want change just for the sake of change either. There are absolutely reflections of that, but then there's also reflections of conservatives holding on to the past for the sake of holding on to the past mm. with something that maybe doesn't operate or serve society as it exists today or technology mm -hmm. as it exists today or whatever it might be. So, mm -hmm. gosh, I think if there's one thing I could take from that, from you bringing this topic today, it's that we need push and pull. Uh, we need people uh, who hold more conservative viewpoints and we need people who hold more progressive yeah. viewpoints and we need them to go back and forth with one another and bring the new and hold on to the past and find some balance in between. And it becomes really challenging, I guess, the thing I found most challenging about that video was the way he presented the progressive argument and labeled progressives as the other and the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I do think we can all do each other a favor, uh, regardless of where we sit in, in the spectrum of progressive to, um, to more uh, conservative, and just acknowledge, and this is to kind of steal from Jonathan Haidt a bit, that we do actually have a lot more in common uh, than we like to believe. Mm -hmm. We give different weighting to those elements. You know, some of us may care more about the collective versus the individual. Some of us may uh, have more deference to authority versus not. But at the end of the day, there's more that I think we can agree upon uh, to move society forward. Yeah, it's just like listening to, <clears throat> it's like listening to Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson go back and forth or Sam Her Harris and Ben Shapiro go back and forth on this concept of morality it's 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 interesting because if you just like read through the lines they're saying the exact same thing but the how they got there is different and they're so caught up on maybe not they're so caught up on but the people that are listening to them have that discussion are so caught up on how they got there but like the concept of morality whether it comes from faith or we just think humans are good people or whatever the heck someone believes it's interesting because i agree with you where it's like we have a lot more in common than we'd like to think because we, we land in the same place-ish, right? It's yeah. like, you know, it doesn't matter if, if, your, if your morality comes from faith or, um, you know, it comes from this, this good-natured, being a good-natured human, um, rape is still bad. <laughs> like, we'll, 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 we'll yeah. all high-five and say, okay, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, murder is still bad. We all agree on that. Cool, let's high-five. Mm -hmm. uh, being a crappy person to, to other humans in society is bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the reasons why that individual believes that is it might be different than someone else, but I agree with you that, that we all kind of land almost in the same spot. And, you know, there's, there's, there are differences, and that's what is highlighted is those differences of, of opinions. And um, a lot of it goes back to morality. But if I were to be honest, I think people disagree less because they have morals 
rather they just really strongly believe in that thing and they use morality as an excuse. Mm. Um, so this, this idea of, you know, defining conservatism, like when you walked through that, I was like, man, that's a, that's a massive, um, that's a massive group of people that would define themselves as that and wouldn't actually follow or fall within that specific definition, if that mm. makes sense. But it's the same thing with progressives, right? It's like, you know, there's, we can look at, we can look at those two terms and just say like conservatives are this and progressives are this, but such a, a huge amount of individuals fall outside of that, like nice, tight, uh, fruitful definition, you know? Um, so yeah, I think going back to what James said, like to have the balls to define it, I think that's step one, but we also have to define like what the heck is a progressive uh, yeah. because if yeah. we define Which that, take a step, mm-hmm. but yeah. we can't take, you know, we, we, yeah. need, that becomes, we need to hear from progressives yeah. what mm-hmm. they think a progressive is. That's right. Is, Cause right? to your point that then becomes political. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, which is, I mean, he's due, I mean, mm-hmm. he's allowed to say whatever he wants on that. Um, and I mean, who's going to listen to him, uh, curtail an idea that's really positive around a progressive movement. Yeah. Right. Cause mm-hmm. his, his listeners, whether he likes it or not, are now looking at him and being like, you're pretty wishy-washy on what you truly believe in. Do you see what I'm saying? So it beca- it's very difficult, and that's why you need two people. Like your point with Sam and JP, um, I don't know why I just say JP. I don't know. I want to SH and JP. Uh, <laughs> it's like I know these guys. Um, uh, I think it's uh, probably a little different. It's back to Stephen Picker's point a couple of weeks ago where your expectations drive those perceptions. So I think people are listening into those two already having already having an idea as to what they believe in, right? They're actually, in my opinion, I don't think they're open for it. I think it's nice to listen to, you know, uh, Ben say, no, there's a bedrock Judeo-Christian based support that we're going to derive it all from. And that's where it all comes. And then Sam saying, I think it's before then. And it kind of worked through, worked through that time. And that's what we have today. Um, I think that is a really healthy uh, interesting conversation to your point. We all end up in the same area, but I'm just slightly, slightly disagreeing with like the intentions of people listening in. I still think they want their guy to be like, yeah, yeah. The Judeo Christian based support. That's the, that's the thing we need yeah. to hold. What to. are you disagreeing with though? Cause I, I think say, you said it's sli- the opposite. I, I think you said it slightly differently. You know, we'll have to roll the tape back, but yeah, I, that's yeah. not what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As the intentions of, uh, what the, what the listeners were trying to No, I was just saying those two individuals are saying the same thing at the end of the day, they're just, they're getting there from a different route. They're taking a different route to get to the same Oh, okay. Place. So they're not saying the same thing. Uh, no, no. I mean like when, when we start talking about, or when they talk about something like morality, just cause it was brought up here today, like yeah. they, they sit in the room and they say, we're landing on the same things, but how did we get there? And they're back and forth oh, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. their argument is how did we get there? So they spend 90% of the time talking mm-hmm. about how we got there, not what do we agree on yep. because they already like high For five sure. and say we agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitions. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's good for language and yeah. it's good for us to talk it through live time. We don't have pre-talk based upon this yeah. stuff. So it's great that you're bringing it up and it's good that we get to flush it out and have people. Yeah. We're, to, we're to this live time. Com- this is how you're supposed to have conversation. Adults are supposed to have conversation on how we can come up with the things that we believe in. Yeah. Right. We've done this ad nauseum for 20 years, whether you know it or not with regards to movement. Um, and we hold that, you know, we hold that responsibility really highly. So we should do the same and embarking on the same things that are outside of those walls, including politics and religion and the important things. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the sun? 
Let's talk about the sun. Can we all agree that the sun is uh, it's important? Round. Yeah, it's it's yeah. yes. It's round. Well, it's yellow. on fire. Mm-hmm. It's on fire. It's pretty hot. Yeah, we're like it is fire. We're close enough to it, so we don't all freeze. But we're far enough far enough away from it that uh, we don't burn. Can we agree on that? Yeah, that's a beautiful agree thing. On that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes in Arizona summers, taking a walk around the block, you feel uh-huh. like it's a little too close, like it's penetrating. Yep. yep. Penetrating the back. Okay. Um. So I'm looking at. Uh, this topic, and it is from, it's, it's from an article, but derived from a bill. Thanks, Candace, for bringing this back up. Um, I know you, we were kind of chatting on this on Slack, and I was like, no, that's already through, right? Like, that's that's old news, so I dug it back up. Um, but the, the topic is, or the, the, um, the topic or the, I can't think of the word, the title, bill? the oh. title of the article is Permanent Daylight Savings Time Will Hurt Our Health. Um, and this is derived from the Sunshine Protection Act of 2021. So that was passed back in March. So it's waiting for approval at the House level currently. Um, so what this bill is set out to do is that it would make daylight savings time permanent across the United States. So we'll still have time zones and all that stuff. It's just we'll always be on DST. Okay. So like Arizona, like, uh, well, yes, correct. Um, so what is, what is daylight savings time? So we set our clocks ahead one hour in the spring and one hour back in the fall. Intention is to reduce ele- electricity uh, consumption by extending daylight hours. So that was the original intention. So there was this, there was this uh, rumor that was like, oh, it's, it's farming and, and farmers and giving them more daylight and all that. But that's actually not the case. This was passed in 1918. Uh, because of that reason to use less electricity. Um, so in the U.S., we change our clocks at 2 a.m. on the second Sunday in March. So that's daylight savings time. So we will, we spring forward, right? Arizona, we don't do anything. We kind of just stay static. But the rest of the U.S., uh, excluding Hawaii, they spring forward. And then at 2 a.m. on the first Sunday in November, we go back one hour. So that's standard time. Interesting fact. So we pushed this two weeks ahead, I think it was 2010 or 2013, uh, for a couple reasons, to have more sun during uh, trick-or-treating in the United States. <laughs> Candy's important. <laughs> as well as uh, just because we're, we're like a day away from this. Um, but the intention was to, or a day from this, the intention was to increase uh, daylight time during voting seasons. So every four years, not every two years. So Halloween and voting. So that's why we uh, mm. push that two weeks to the right. Some interesting, uh, some interesting data came from that two-week difference, though. We'll get to that in a second. Will it um, end up in election fraud conversations? <laughs> no. Okay, Unfortunately good. not. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, good. I think oh, you want to you, you you dig into that. Okay. Maybe. Um, where was I? Uh, so Sorry. Yeah, like I said, not all states participate. So most of AZ, so where we're at right now, we don't participate in all of Hawaii. Um, over 70 countries around the world observe daylight savings time. All right, so let's get to the impact. So this is kind of the, the meat of the article. Um, so impact of this, there's, because the, the thought was, okay, if we, if we go to daylight savings time uh, permanently, what will be the ramifications from an energy standpoint, energy consumption standpoint? And there's like two sides to this argument. So first side was we will save a small percentage of energy usage by extending daylight savings time. And then the other side that they realized in that two week difference uh, for the Halloween and and voting standards was we actually end up at net zero because we use more heating and more air conditioning. So 
the the consumption so we we use less lights right mm -hmm. but we use more heating and air conditioning so it's a net zero sum in energy shift so that was uh, impact number one that's kind of wiped clean um, then we get into health ramifications so we are one one sleep expert said we're not adding sunshine rather stealing am light and giving it to the pm which is an interesting way to look at it because when we look at circadian rhythm and when our bodies want and need light it is in the am it's not in the pm so this the sleep expert is arguing that if we do this permanently 12 months out of the year um, we can only guess what the ramifications of doing that would be uh, less sleep um, uh, less sun in the am uh, more sun in the pm people have uh, issues getting to sleep the whole nine so he's just like you know what what is that going to look like in 50 years um, because if we push, if we push, if we push time to the right, sunset and sunrise is going to be an hour later. Um, so his his argument there is this will reduce reduce sleep quality for all Americans. And then the psychological impact. So there's an argument that people will be happier and they'll get more exercise because we'll have sun out longer later, uh, which I think is kind of a foolish argument. <laughs> it's like why would we not get more sun exposure if the sun was out an hour earlier? Um, and, and they didn't really dig into this in the article, but um, from a rhythm standpoint and a biological standpoint, we would actually want to start moving our bodies earlier in the day than later because um, we just want to kind of like rest, shut it down, uh, get ready for sleep at 7 p.m. We don't want to be out, you know, jogging the streets. Um, and then they dig into the economics behind it. So this is like the, the big push, um, and you guys can read it in the article. The thought is uh, more sunshine later in the day will equate to more economic activity. So restaurants, um, people walking around and shopping, um, which I think is a very weak argument. I think looking at economics, if people are bringing home more cash and their paychecks get bigger or don't get smaller, they don't lose their paychecks, they're going to continue to spend cash. So that was like their biggest argument, the economics behind it. Um, there was like a... Um, GOP out of Florida and then a Dem out of Georgia that were like really pushing this really hard because of the economic benefits. But that, that to me is just a really weak argument. I don't think it, it'll have much, uh, much impact on people spending cash because the sun's out later. Um, and if it does, I think it'll even out because people aren't going to make more money. Wasn't there something also on like um, commute safety from a car accident standpoint or like hitting live, hitting deer and things like that? Yeah, they... Um, so they, they trialed this on the East Coast. Gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bash the dates, but it was in the 2000s. And what they saw was, uh, I, I'm, I'm laughing, this isn't funny. Uh, kids were like getting hit by cars uh, commuting to school, right? Because people weren't used to, to driving when the sun was down and a bunch of kids like commuting to school. So they quickly turned away from it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they did, they did try it out. It was in the 2000s somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, so daylight savings time. So if this thing goes through, um, which it looks like it's going to, uh, looks like March, is it March? April. Mm -hmm. April uh, will be our last, the last time that we shift our clocks. Well, we never, we never, so we never sitting, shift our clocks. It's sitting with the house. Else. What's making it held up? Like when will they reopen it for a discussion? Uh, it's just waiting to get signed. So oh. um, they're not in session right now. So when, it, when they get back in session after the election goes through, then it'll get yayed or nayed. And then if it gets yayed, then it'll go to the president. Once the president signs it, it's uh, it's good to go. Hmm. So, yeah, but it's but it's interesting. Why not? Why not just stick with uh, 
standard time. Why not? Like the standard changes every year? No, just like the time that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Why not just stick with that? Because mm. um, we're, we're getting all this pushback, but there's not a lot of pushback from just sticking with standard time outside of the economic impact, I guess, where they're like, well, the sun's going to go down yeah. earlier and it's going to be darker earlier and people will have sun earlier, but it's not worth it. Yeah. But I read through this and I looked at like everyone's thoughts and then just did some research on why the heck we even uh, went forward with daylight savings time in the first place. And my first thought was, why don't we just stick with time zones and, and standard time across the board? Mm-hmm. I think people like the, I finish work and it's light outside. Like there's the average person who is probably not using their morning to go out and exercise. Let's be real. Uh, they're probably commuting to work in the office in fluorescent lights for the day, not getting their morning sun. They don't care about their morning sun. And then after that being like, oh, okay, now I can be outside go to the shops well everything should shift with it right work hours should shift with it i do agree with that yeah right yeah Yeah. that's one thing i was thinking that nothing else is going to change though yeah like the it's just the clocks but Mm -hmm. school times are still going to be there for Mm -hmm. 13 year olds who are going to find it hard to get out of bed uh 16 year olds that are now driving in the darker times you know that contribute as well to the accidents and insurance rate changes for the other so society's not changing anything Mm -hmm. outside of those things so i didn't uh, I don't know. I just found it interesting that they didn't actually include that inside of it, yeah. you know, or take measures to your point, take measures to like make those changes occur, yeah. you know, or, or put that, or put that in the bill too. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it was just like this, uh, we're, we're sticking with daylights. Let's say they did land on DST. We're sticking with DST, but other things have to shift with it or we're sticking with standard time and other things have to shift yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good outcome though would be that we don't shift at all. Uh, we shift one time, but we don't have to do the flip flop every single year. Because you see a lot of negative with that, right? Where people, yeah, the acute negatives. Yes. For sure. Yeah, for the six months and six months or whatever the time frame is. So whether it's sticking with standard time or daylight time. Eight, eight and four. Eight and four months? Yeah, okay. eight, yeah we're in uh, daylight for eight. Eight months. And then um, standard for yeah. four. Yeah, because those acute shifts are really problematic in mm-hmm. terms of like health outcomes for people. So you're saying we yeah, shift it one more that. time and we never shift it again? And we never shift it again or we don't shift it. Either got way. it, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what, what do you mean by the last one? So we don't shift it. Yeah, we just we, stay in standard time mm-hmm. and we don't have daylight time. Oh, gotcha, all. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 I'm with you on or that. Or you can just move to Arizona and just forget <laughs> that we even had this conversation. But, it, but you do have to change. You have to, like, if you work with, you know, people in other time zones, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, you just shift with they me. They got to adapt. Uh, <laughs> but, I say but, everything but, but, AZ time. Yeah, like, yeah, we can meet on AZ time. <laughs> like, what is that? I don't know. You figure it out. Put it in your Our calendar. clocks don't change. Yours does? That's stupid. Just move to AZ. <laughs> But on the acute stuff, um, when this was first passed in, uh, in 2021, or when this was first um, offered up as a solution in 2021, there was a lot of things coming out on the acute. Um, and it, it was, it's, not, it's not in this article, but the acute shifts that people have going from standard to daylight savings time, because uh, we, yeah, we get an hour less sleep in the spring, right? So the acute shifts and like heart attacks, um, uh, accidents in the morning, um, uh, strokes, like all of that. When you take yeah. billions of people and you give billions of people one hour less of sleep over one night, mm-hmm. and obviously they're the very unhealthy people that are seeing this, but one hour less sleep and the increase in, in uh, mortality that one day is mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's every year. It happens every year. Um, but I looked at it that year and then looked at it again this year, and I was like, man, that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. Why not just stop doing that? So yeah. anyway, that's yeah. that was my radar. 
That's cool. It's just too bad that other things won't change in accordance with it. You know, yep. society's pieces and what's going on is not changing yeah. to reflect might get, it. Might get made, though. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my radar piece is a, it's a little grim. Uh, it is, I was reading an NPR article on um, alcohol death rates uh, during 2020. Um, and this uh, article pulled out a couple of different studies that have just come out recently. The first one was a CDC report that uh, suggested that the rate or found that the rate of deaths directly attributed to alcohol rose 26% from 2019 to 2020, which is huge. To give that a little bit of context, uh, for the two decades or 20 years prior, there was a 7% uh, average of 7% annual increase, but this was a huge significant spike in that one year period. To clarify what death from alcohol is, um, what the study was looking at. Uh, they looked at alcoholic liver disease and found that as the most frequent cause of alcohol-induced death, followed by mental and behavioral disorders, and then uh, lastly, alcohol-induced poisoning. And there were a couple other things, but it didn't include things like homicides or car crashes that were caused by alcohol. Uh, or riots. Or riots. <laughs> Interesting stat um, was that, and I think we probably all knew this already, but uh, in men, it was 2.5 times more common than in women. And then in looking in the, at the age groups, so it was and continued to be that the highest rate of death from alcohol was people ages 55 to 64, which I think makes sense. But the dramatic rise that happened uh, for certain groups, so for women aged 35 to 44, they saw a 42% jump. And then for males under 45, so all ages under 45, they saw between a 45 to 50% jump. I thought that was interesting because you think about who was most impacted negatively during that period of COVID where we were locked down, working from home, kids weren't in school, you're trying to like do this thing where you're running like education, you're trying to maintain your job, you're looking after the house. It's people with kids that are in the house that are trying to juggle all of those balls. And I also think about the, and this isn't funny at all, but just the amount of memes that were going about, about around about how many people were drinking uh, during COVID and how much their alcohol intake increased. Like, I think we know everyone started drinking. So these stats are really sad, but they're not that surprising. And then just to uh, provide um, insight into the second study, so it was a JAMA network study, which looked at wider causes um, and included motor vehicle accidents, suicides, falls, and cancers. And this was looking at the period, um, not the, the COVID period, but between 25 to 2019. But just to kind of paint a picture of how big an issue alcohol-induced death is, they found that one in eight total deaths among US adults aged 20 to 64 were attributable to excessive alcohol use including one in five deaths among adults aged 20 to 49. There was a few suggestions that were proposed by this study and that the NPR article uh, pulled out as well about like, how do we actually go about addressing this? Like, what are some of the things that we could do as a, as a society? So they suggested uh, increased implementation of evidence-based population level alcohol policies, including increasing alcohol taxes or regulating alcohol outlet density. Uh, I don't know, you know, what outcomes would look like from either of those two factors, but just one like little um, observation from myself. Uh, something I found really shocking that I thought was also really cool when I was 21 and moved to the US was that you could walk into a grocery store and depending on where you were, buy alcohol, buy spirits, buy beer, buy wine. That, that isn't the case where I'm from, right? Like there, there are specific liquor stores that you go to, but you couldn't just like, you know, go to the fries down the road and buy booze. So yeah, I... Um, I don't know 
where to go and what to suggest and what to think about all of this, but it does really bum me well, out. Well, you're not supposed to find the answer to that. <laughs> I know. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go to NPR to find the answers either. It doesn't discount the fact of where you're getting the information because they're just reporting on it. But I'm interested in the who are these people, like more around the people that passed away. Because um, it, it should make sense to us. I wrote down, it should make sense that if you lock people up from the gym, but you keep the liquor store open, this will happen. Right? That, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. So if you do that, um, I need to know, like, who are these actual people that died? Right? And then my suggestion would be you focus on family, you focus on a vocation that inspires you, and you focus on community. Because you don't have time for that other shit if that's your main focus of control. Um, I could reverse engineer that and say, who are the people that end up, you know, with the AA meetings down the road who've been colleagues and my friends and people that are close to me? They generally are ones that did not have those things as a locked-in thing for them to do as a purpose per day. And so it should make sense that if you're off with your own thoughts and you got nothing else to hang on to, that's going to happen. So was there any other stats on who these people were? No, no, there may have been in the studies, but nothing that I pulled out into my notes. And I will link them for anyone that's interested to read. Were they uh, single? Uh, Were they family-less? Were they, like these men, for example, I just think, are they they, uh, without a significant other? Um, Are they, you know, what what is their vocation? Uh, Do they have three children, you know? Uh, do they have uh, ch- three children that they're not de- that's not dependent on? You know what I'm saying? Like there needs, I think there needs to be more to the story, uh, in my opinion, anyways, to to make more sense of it. Because otherwise, it should make sense, anyways, that people are going to be getting into trouble with uh, yeah. that you just, you during just have, times where you're locked down. You just have down. moral standards that excludes excessive drunkenness, and I think uh, me okay. prohibition. <laughs> no, <laughs> excessive <laughs> drunkenness, where it's like you just don't get drunk beyond. Um, what is it? A two drinks for a man, one yeah. drink for a woman. Yeah, what I'm. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm saying. I'm, I think I'm saying it slightly differently. <clears throat> is that you're not going to get into making a choice around drinking alcohol if you've got a lot of purposeful things to do in your day. You can't get drunk. So an, a highlighting moment is always the parent. Frick off, fly. This parent, um, you know, that I saw come through my doors. That was the, uh, what I saw in myself too, uh, this individual who tried to find purpose in you know, other things by the uh, largely encompassing gross teetotaling for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights during their college career. And all of a sudden you become an adult and you're like, ooh, this job is really getting in the way of me having those drinks. And then when you have kids, there's no time for that. Like you can't. So you can make that decision then to like, find someone to take care of your child, you know, sneak in some drinks in the afternoon, say that the four glass of wine every night is just something that you do while you, you know, numb your kid to sleep. Some, no, this is, this is reality, right? So that they get into trouble there um, because of, you know, other motives. So I think you don't have time to do that shit, God, basically. there's a lot of highly functioning alcoholics, though. Like, people who do have families, busy careers that still manage to make time for that, and I'm not justifying it. I don't think it's a mm. good thing by any means, but I do believe there's something to limiting access to alcohol so that you can't just be going to the grocery store buying, you know, yeah, pasta. I don't, but I don't think those people died. Yeah, I, I don't See, my I point is, like, if you're going to give data on people who died, you know, from liver disease, mind-altering issues, or poisoning... I need to know what's going on with those people. I would agree with you, though. Uh, they walk around everywhere. You know, that comes back to our point of, are you really physically expressing yourself? Do you, what do you have time for? 
You know, are you, are you truly trying to improve your mind? You know, you're not, you're just numbing, you're running away. Are you doing that for 10 hours a week? Okay, that's cool. To your point, that's function. That's not function for me. That's not vitality. That's sickness. I, I, don't, I don't think disorder. I don't think uh, limiting to just selling at liquor stores is going to turn an alcoholic and do a non-alcoholic. They're going to go to the liquor store and buy the liquor. I just I think about. Um, That's why I said prohibition. As well, uncomfortable as it sounds, I mean. Well, you're from. <laughs> a, you're also from a country that um, is not like here, right? Like you grew up in Canada. I lived in Canada for a number of years. Um, with regards to the kind of beer? Yeah, you can't like you can't go to the grocery store and buy Oh yeah, yeah, like accessibility. There's, yeah, there's different high tax, differences. Very expensive, high taxes. Yep. Um, but we can no, drink at seventeen no, in Quebec. No offense, Canadians, but I've met more uh Canadian alcoholics than I've ever met American alcoholics. Yeah. Um and that was probably That doesn't mean that's a true statement. No, 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 no. no, no percentages no, of people that yeah, are alcoholics yeah. in each country. <laughs> 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 we should do some research. Yeah, on we that. could pick on Ireland or um, Australia yeah. for that one. Yeah, I just don't think yeah, that I don't think you're going to get rid of it if you limit access to it. I don't think it's gonna get rid of it either. I think <clears> it's a, it is absolutely a bigger problem, but I do think I there's mean a, there's a void the, it'll be filled. Yeah. Sure. Something will fill the void. I can't think of the author's name. He wrote the book um, Blink. He wrote the... Um, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he, I, I can't remember the name of the book, but it looked at the... What the dog saw. Not that one. Um, he looked at suicide and access to different measures to commit suicide and how oh, limiting uh, that access removed, yeah. re- like statistically reduced the amount of suicides in that area. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's one specific case. Yeah. That's suicide. That's not yeah, alcohol. Yeah. But I, yeah. I do wonder if there, and this is just me speculating, if you do remove access to alcohol, if it would prevent some people going down that route. Oh, so you're I actually saying prohibition. You're not saying no, not only prohibition. sell it at the just Less store. access. Less access. So when you're at the grocery store buying food for your family for the week, you don't just pick up three bottles of wine and put them but in the But the liquor cart. store is going to be next door. It might be, but you have to deliberately then go decide to, to go into the liquor store. You can't take your kids in there because they're under 18 or under mm-hmm. 21. It, it just adds like one more layer of yeah. discomfort of effort to take that step. Yeah, you, just, yeah. you just Instacart it. <laughs> you I'm should not serious. be able to like, Instacart I don't, I just don't alcohol. Yeah, oh, for that's sure. crazy. Think, yeah. But I think uh, the, the point that you raised, although we don't have the stats on it, would, would kill the argument that in Canada, when the accessibility is not as high as an example, you're still probably going to have as high prevalence of rates of these issues with alcohol during COVID. Mm-hmm. So, for sure, uh, you know, so I, 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 lo- I like the idea, you know, but in terms of accessibility and it's at my eyes and, oh, there's bread, there's alcohol, <laughs> <laughs> you get two yeah. things at one time. But, um, you know, just think, taking it from a non-alcoholic stance, I didn't even notice that in America, mm-hmm. you know, until, you know, other people said it as like, oh, geez, you know, Whole Foods has wine, you know, that didn't even like collect to me. So I think there's some, you know, largely, anyways, that's my high horse. I think people got a lot of time on their hands. And they have no purpose in life, and it makes sense to numb all the other shit that you think are issues away. That's my, that's my opinion on it. And if you actually had shit to do, like a family and a fucking job, and then you were sticking to your community, you had no time to be drunk. You you simply can't. To your point, you can try, <laughs> but you're gonna be kicked out of the community organization. Ted, you're drunk again. Get out. Like I mean, it's like, okay, well, that, that, that Ted's like, okay, that doesn't work. They don't accept that. Yeah, because I need your full mind here. You know. Mm-hmm. So people are trying to grow their mind and challenge their body and learn every day. Oh, man, you got no time to to do that. But hey, it's one of those other things. It's gonna exist. It's gonna happen, and people will numb and run away. Do you use all these excuses? Right? You're just a purist. You're just a purist, jeans. Oh, fuck. I will. I am an, I, I'm an advocate <laughs> for a nice else. glass of red with a, a good cheese, though. I, I like that on occasion. Well, that's not going to kill you. I hope I hope not. I hope not. <laughs>
George has like fatty liver disease over here for having a <laughs> glass of wine a week. <laughs> yeah, people can have fatty liver disease from sugar. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's where that gets lumped into as well, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't drink alcohol, but I'm going to eat sugar all day. You know, it's like, well, what are we classifying here now? It's the same thing. Yeah. You can't operate in sugars, you know, inventories all the time and really run a family and, and do a good job and really think and learn. Can't do it. So we didn't solve that one, but we talked about it. We did. No, I'm glad yeah, we brought it up. It's going to come one. back. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah, definitely. Prohibition. <laughs> T-shirts. All right. Let's move on. All right. Want to learn more about the Live a Larger Life show? Visit livealargerlifeshow.com to learn more about our mission, meet our hosts, browse past episodes, and more. All righty. Let's do this. Let's life-proof things all right so we're going to talk about life proofing exercise uh otherwise known as excuses people have as to why they don't move hey before we dig into it though i want to talk about um how much americans exercise and then uh reasons why americans say they don't exercise so uh this data is pulled from a 2021 poll um it was updated in 2022 um it will be linked uh if you're on youtube it's linked um so i have two things linked i have this this linked as well as uh, it's called a fitness map, uh, U.S. fitness map. So it just breaks down um, the most active and inactive places in the United States. So I kind of pulled this from these two resources. All right, so the 2021 poll. So they asked the question, uh, do you exercise 20 minutes per day? And exercise is you go to the gym for 20 minutes, you bike, you jog, you walk at a high cadence, etc. So what this showed is 40% of Americans never work out. So zero days per week, 40% do not move. Then we have one to two times per week, 23% of Americans move and, or exercise one to two times per week, three to four times, 20%, five to six times, 11%, and every day, 8%. That was a little higher than I thought it would be. So move, intentional movement every day, 8%. The most sedentary, um, what, what do you guys think? What do you guys think the group is that is the most sedentary? Location or uh, age? Age-wise, age-wise. Don't look at my notes. I know. Candace, I, was, I, I, can't. I have it backwards cheated, in my so. notes anyway. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually wrong. Like 35 okay. to, I don't know what the bracket is, but like 35 to 50? Yeah, you nailed it. Um, yeah, it's Peakers. At, it's, yeah, yeah. At 35 to 54. Um, they're the most sedentary. Um, so 7% of 35 to 54 year olds never move. <laughs> um, least sedentary. What do you guys think? Least sedentary group. Under 18? Uh, this is only adults mm. starting at 18. Oh. Least sedentary. 65 plus? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, 65 plus, least sedentary. Close second would be 18 to 24 years old. <laughs> okay, so we have 18 to 24. Um, and then it starts to, it starts to go down at 26. And then by the time they get to 35 to 54, that is the least sedentary. So you can kind of think about, you know, what people are thinking around those ages, professional, uh, professions, becoming parents and all that stuff and focusing on other things. And then reality hits them when they get that 60 years old and like, oh my gosh, I actually want to live longer. So they start moving every day. Um, the most active would be 45 to 54 years old. So when I said uh, least sedentary, that just, that's just uh, when we look at the never moves, um, the 65-year-olds are the lowest percentage of never moves. 
I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, right. And then when we look at the gym map um, of, well, gym map, the U.S. fitness map, um, it lays out, you know, what parts of the United States are the most sedentary and most active. And I think we can all guess these and I can ask you guys, but uh, the mountain states starting in Arizona. So it's like it's Arizona, it's Utah, it's Colorado, um, it's Idaho, um, and then taking a left turn and going up to Washington. Those are the most active states in the U.S. And then you have a, a couple little blips on the radar, like the Minnesota kind of pops out of nowhere as like a very active state. And then you have a couple on the East Coast as well. But the mountain states are the most active. Um, no context given, uh, surprisingly. I would, con- I would think that because there's a lot of ac- outdoor activities uh, in these areas. Um, the least active, I think we'd all guess this, it's the, it's the South. Right? Oh, so I thought it might be the Midwest because of the oh, weather. Oh, really? Yeah. No, the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, South is uh, by far. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi, um, Florida was kind of right in the middle. It, Florida and California, I, I guess it didn't really surprise me a bunch, but they're right in the middle. They're not very active. Yeah. Florida, California, not very active. Um, South Carolina, and then it starts to make a turn once you get up to North Carolina. It could be because of weather, though, too. I've been down there. Swamp Pass is a real <laughs> That's thing. That's <laughs> I lived down there for years. Yeah, it is. Um, so that was interesting looking at that map and just like, what is the disbursement of, of these, uh, percentages? Um, and then they, they dove into why don't we exercise enough? And there was three, there was three reasons, actually two reasons. Uh, but one of them kind of had a a turn. Um, so time, so time was the number one reason Americans saying they don't have enough time, but in the same survey, they answered that they watch TV for 3.1 hours (laughs) per day. (laughs) Interesting. Oh. I wonder if that was like a light bulb moment during that question. Like, oh, or they're just like, no, I'm like, I just don't have time. I'm watching TV for three hours. I got yeah. to go to work. I think that's wishful thinking <laughs> that that's a light bulb moment. Yeah. So time, time was number one. Uh, number two was access to gyms. And I think this is where we're going to kind of come in and have, have uh, a lot of discussion around, but access to gyms. So there was two, there was two considerations here. Economics, uh, gyms, uh, people having access to the gyms, but they're, they're too expensive. Uh, and it, it's not fitting in their budget and location in certain areas. So you get down to like, uh, and I can speak from experience here. Like my, my, uh, my family is from Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and spending a lot of time in Mississippi specifically, um, as like a 17, 18 year old, uh, when I had a serious fitness addiction, me looking for gyms in Clarksdale, Mississippi, shout out Clarksdale, Mississippi, Morgan Freeman's from there. Uh, but I spent a lot of time there. There was no gyms. Uh, they might have some now, but when I was there, there was no gyms. I had to like, look, I had to like uh, break down the, the doors at high schools to get in uh, high school gyms to, to work out, right? So uh, access to gyms uh, economically and just location in certain areas was a, was a big driving factor. Um, and then this is where I want to transition to you guys and get your thoughts. But uh, reason number three, this wasn't there. Um, but it should have been. It's just like lack of knowledge on what fitness is, what movement is, what exercise is, and what's good enough. Because um, all those reasons, and me as a 17 and 18 year old, that wasn't a good reason if I couldn't find a gym because I could still go out and like move my own body. Um, so that barrier that is put on uh, this whole thing of uh, around fitness in the United States specifically is something that's real. And people don't think, people think, uh, I think a lot of people think that if I'm not doing it, uh, a very certain way, I shouldn't do it at all, or it's not worth it to do it at all. So I don't think these people are thinking like, oh, well, I'm just going to go out for a jog and do some push-ups. They're just like, well, I can't access this, this gym, so I'm not going to do it at all. Um, what do you guys think? 
The um, 65 plus group that I, I think about the people that we see when we go on a walk in the morning uh, and it's all retirees. Like every single person Jacob and I pass with a few exceptions are in that like 65 plus category. And that does make sense from a time perspective. If time is one of the biggest reasons people are giving for not working out, uh, you're potentially retired. You have like, you know, this looming idea of your mortality. You're probably going to make time to, to be able to go out and, uh, and walk in the morning. So. Same thing for Gen X, possibly having money and time, you know, if you're 45. Well, were they movers, 45, 55? Uh, 45 oh. to 55, they were not. Most active, they right? Were not, no, no, no. It was. Yes. I took down yes, that they that were was, active. That was most active. Yes, yeah, yeah. 45 up. That made sense to me, yep. you know, having money and time. Mm -hmm. That generation, you know has a career that they just finished with yeah, um, and may have some time now. So if you got money and time, it does make sense. And what was fitness? What was fitness for a 65 year old uh, when they were 18? Punishment. Yeah. So just thinking about, yeah, yeah thinking about those things as well, right? Like the, what, what is, what is good enough? That's a good um, point. Yeah. yeah. What is good enough? It was considered leisure or luxury thing or punishment or sport for the 70 year olds anyways. But for 45, yeah, it was uh basically something you learned over yeah. time. But if you had money and time, you're like, oh, I'm going to participate in this thing. So something that you did, that could be it. Um, if I may, did you? Yeah, uh, I think the, um, I, you know, I was the whole, whole way through, I was like, well, you know, uh, questionnaires and stuff and people's perceptions of exercise. I was given it, like I was given it something. But then when the excuse came up that time is the issue, knowing full well how people operate in their day-to-day -day lives, I'm sorry, I disregard the entire questioning and surveying apparatus now as to who they're talking to. Um, even to the point that doesn't make sense to me, 8% of people being intentional movers. Um, you know, I don't even know <laughs> what, what do they even consider movement, you know, and what the definition is of that. Maybe you could highlight, be more clear on that. Um, Tw yeah, 20 minutes. 20 minutes of going to the gym, lifting weights, doing aerobic activity at the gym, riding their bike walking jogging okay yeah that's what they laid out as intentional intentional movement and then yeah. the 20 minutes of course reverse engineered from the uh, 150 minutes per week as the recommendation mm. of of intentional movement and they're saying that eight people eight percent of people who answered the survey are in that category of moving every day yeah, yeah yeah and i'd still like to say that i'd question exactly what their intentions are on why they're doing the movement um and from the outset, I just think people don't move because they don't want to. I've stated that numerous times in multiple different ways, but that's what I think is the issue. So access, I think that's bullshit. I think we came up with, we came up with all these things. Um, still listening to your point, you know, for the fitness addicted, we saw it in that lens, or I should say I did anyways. I'm not, no, you said it, you were, you yes. were addicted <laughs> at that time. So, you know, I get that, but you know, there's parks, you, know, you could walk, you know, you could do push-ups and squats at home. There's no excuse. So don't give me the accessibility issue. That's long gone. Uh, and I just lost it at the time thing. It's like people not having time to do exercise. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough one. We, when we threw out this topic, I just did some reflection. Like, because I think originally our thought was, hey, we'll all bring kind of personal anecdotes as to how we have life-proofed movement uh, over the years. And um, I think I kind of came back to this conclusion of it has to be something that matters to you. It has to be a priority. It has to be something you choose um, 
to prioritize and then therefore construct the environment that allows you to do that, uh, whether that's schedule and routine or whatever. And I just kind of reflected back like over the years because movement and fitness and health has always been a priority for me. And as life throws kind of twists and turns, there's been a lot of things that I've just done to make sure that movement was prioritized in my life, you know, anywhere from like making fitness my first um, study in undergrad uh, and deciding that that was going to be my career at one point um, to, you know, hiring coaches along the way uh, or putting money down to show up at personal training appointments so that I couldn't miss it. And I had that, that reason to leave the office when I was busy in New York in my career or, um, you know, deciding to get a dog. So I had a real commitment to walking, even if I didn't feel like it that day was something beyond me, like all those things that you just kind of like navigate life with, but fitness and movement was a priority. So I would make those choices in my life to make sure I was moving, even if life was going to throw excuses at me, whether intention was accurate or not when those decisions are made to be, de- to be determined yeah. in a lot of things. But, um, but when it comes to life proofing, it's always that internal commitment to saying like, okay, moving every day and being fit and living a long life and, um, and feeling great and being healthy, those things are a priority to me. So I'm going to make the right choices or make choices in my everyday that are going to make sure that I don't have an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Just bringing it back to the, the, the point of the conversation. Um, I know I kind of just threw out, you know, just what are, what are Americans doing or what are they saying that they're mm-hmm. doing right now? But um, I, I'd agree with you on that where it's just like, you you gotta, you gotta believe first, right? Like you gotta believe that you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's not there, um, the, the concept of like life proofing exercise, it's just going to be kind of a, a, a patch on top of it, you know? Um, and I, I just don't think people are going to look at it that way if they don't believe that they should be doing it. Like to James's point, looking at this cohort of, of people that answered this survey, um, you know, I, I have no idea where the 8% sit, but outside of the 8%, I would venture to guess that they don't actually believe they should do it every day. Uh, because I don't think that they would say that I'm watching TV for 3.1 hours per day, uh, but I don't have time to move my body for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that they don't want to. That, yeah. 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 It's their decision they're making not to. Yeah. Uh, and I, don't, I, th- I agree with you that belief has to be there. That's what I call intentions of it. Um, and you hit it on the head there. You include some examples, though, that do kind of, quote unquote, move the needle. Right. You start seeing outside of yourself and the importance of that. But because that will that maybe will tie it together. Right. Of like, oh, this is why I'm moving. Right. So that can happen. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, it doesn't yield vitality. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't have the intentions going in, you can prioritize whatever you want. So if you pri- not to use your personal example, but people are listening in, they're like, oh, I'll just prioritize movement. No, that in another, say it another way, you're just making time for yourself to exercise. That doesn't yield vitality. It might, it might, my personal opinion is after my experience, it doesn't long-term. So you, you are right though, or it's got, it, you, it's got to be in, it's got to be in here, like mm-hmm. deep in, you got to say, no, I'm doing this cause it's for me, right? I'm doing it for me. And so if you're, you, you know, walking your dog can make you reflect back on that. That's fantastic. Right. One of the things I jotted down was uh, just managing your expectations around exercise and daily movement. And it's okay to like, you're not going to always want to do it. Uh, just because you're doing it for you, uh, just because you believe that it's really important for you to do movement, to live a healthy, long, vital life, doesn't mean that you're going to wake up every single day and be jazzed to go and 
exercise. Like there are going to be days you don't feel like going for a walk because it's raining outside or you're exhausted from working. You just want to lay on the couch and watch TV. And Carl, you've kind of talked about this idea many times uh, that as humans, we're inherently lazy. Like we don't want to use energy if we don't have to. It's very easy for us to give into those base desires and, you know, seek that instant gratification and watch Netflix uh, instead of going for a walk with our dog. But if you believe that you're going to move because you can and that daily movement is something you just have to do every day, uh, even if it's not fun, every single day you're going to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, because yeah, that, that gets into the area of like trying to find or sneaks in the area of pleasure and excitement around your movement practices, right? And that's, you know, I mean, it, that's a big dilemma for today because that movement was actually in place many, many years ago. And we didn't even think about it. But now there's this thing. It's called exercise. So we don't need to move, but uh, we have to because we're capable of it. Yeah. What's, what, what is the conversation you guys would have with someone that says, um, gosh, it's, it's, it's November, I don't know, 9th. Such a busy month coming up for me. The holidays gets crazy and food and I'm eating all this food. So I don't want to move and all this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start back up in January. Uh, if there's someone listening or if there's a coach listening and they have to like, you know, prepare themselves to have this conversation with a client that they're working with, um, what would that, com like realistically, right? Like what would that conversation look like in your opinions? Or like, what do you think the right way to approach that conversation would be? I'd say it's a hard conversation to have in November if it's not a conversation you've had already. So if it's uh, something you haven't spoken about on a regular basis with your client leading up to that point, and this is the first time this has come up, this idea of, oh, now I have to convince them that movement every day is a thing they should do even when life is busy, that's going to be hard. <laughs> so first of all, uh, I'm not going to say it's too late, but try and have that conversation earlier. Try and have that conversation from day one when you're working with that client. Uh, that would be the number one thing that comes to mind for me. I also... Um, really think about, you know, fitness is a long game, right? We're not doing this thing because we want to get results in 30 days. We're doing it because we want to be healthy in 30 years or 60 years or however long it is in the future. And again, that's language that I use with my clients from day one. We're not talking about what it's going to look like in 30 days, what we're going to look like on January 1. We're talking about what we're going to be doing a year from now or five years from now. What is the point in stopping moving for the month of December uh, if the goal is to continue moving a year from today? It's not, oh, you know, I, I've got to achieve this goal in January, but I'm not going to be able to do as many sessions in the gym as I want to because life's busy. That's not a reason to stop. We're not thinking about January. We're thinking about December of next year. So let's just figure out a way that we can maybe reduce the drag time. So if you don't have time to get to the gym, all good. Let's figure out ways you can get in movement where you don't have a commute um, that's convenient for you so you can continue with this pattern and building this consistency so that we don't have to start again in January. That was a bit of a ramble. But. Absolutely. Oh, I actually good. end up hearing like the opposite uh, or the flip of this conversation around this time of year. Because obviously we end up at a lot of like holiday parties and you've seen people you haven't seen in a long time or new friends and family are invited over. And, and because we are all in the fitness industry, Tend, those questions just tend to come up or it's a trigger because people are like, oh, I'm excited. 
New Year's is coming soon. This holiday party that I want to wear this holiday dress to is coming. And like, do you have any tips for me as to how I could start to get healthy now? Right. So it actually could be an initiation point for a lot of people. So I tend to spoiler, lean. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. That's a question I asked Candace last week. <laughs> how do I <laughs> so fit in this dress for this holiday party? <laughs> but I mean, I think it can, it can be a positive. And then um, if we're talking about life proofing, we have to like lean on lifestyle. And of course, for us, like those daily habits and routines and the rhythm we find ourselves in is just part of our everyday life because we've created and designed our lives that way. But just helping people see that it doesn't have to be this extreme uh, commitment to being in the gym for three hours and, you know, restricting so many calories, right, that it could just, it can be everyday things that are um, pretty minor in their adjusted behavioral patterns that can make a big result for them. And I guess getting people really excited about starting now because- now matters and like wait waiting for two more months you know wh- why wait when you can act now kind of a a thought but I, I end up having really positive conversations around this time of year yeah hey, i probably would you know 20 years ago would have had a you know a jordan peterson 25 minute answer to a really simple question uh, that takes you a full career to get to the point of you know recognizing you just want to listen to yourself talk about a whole bunch of useless shit that really just made you look smart to the client and then 10 years ago um, I would have said, you know, you're a weak-minded individual that's just looking for narcissistic concepts, and I don't even want to entertain this notion. And then I just started coaching coaches to tell them the exact same thing. And today, I can't even believe I'm entertaining, you know, um, that, that not, not saying for the point of the conversation for today, but even the entertaining that in my mind today, it honestly just, uh, it irks me. Just for having the conversation, like, what... You know, I just, from outside looking in, I'm looking at the conversation going, are you honestly saying that to me? I'm saying this back to the client, right? <laughs> you know, oh, this November, I don't have time. Is a, uh, I'm just like, you know, uh, so you can see I'm out of the trenches. I'm not talking to that coach. So I'm just trying to give insight into 25 years ago, saying it differently, 10 years ago, saying it differently. And today I'm just like, I can't even entertain the, uh, the conversation. Um, yeah, because I see to keep going on that, why I don't like the idea around it is because I think it leads to a lot of uh, compensatory behaviors what I call the dance. You're just going to, just going to end up dancing with stuff. Oh, you know, I've got to fill this in. You got to learn how to do this. You got to do these things. And that keeps them paying and that keeps them coming back. And then in January, something else comes up and now it's like Valentine's day. Oh, Valentine's got this thing to go to, you know, then all this next holiday, you know, summertime, I guess swimming suit, you know, you see, it's just like this, oh, it's just, it's gross to me, the, the yeah. whole concept of it. Agreed. And I, and I want to be, you know, I want to sound kind, but I also want to be rational, right? It's like, fuck, get over yourself, right? Like just be consistent. What are we talking about here? You know, You're like, a grown up. <laughs> Be <yeah>. a grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, in, inside what you said and your points made, you know, I get that too, right? Be consistent. You know, have the basics in place. Let's work on that. But I guess it's. I'm just saying, it's the entertaining of the idea and the energy inside of it just kind of gives me. I know, like the idea. But I mean, we're, we're going. Sorry, Candice. We're going back and forth on this, and we're just like, wow, like this is so dumb, right? It's like, just do it. Um, but. Uh, James, you and I have had this conversation a lot with, with people that we've seen and we're like, how are you so smart? Like you're, you're so intelligent and you look so unhealthy. You're so unhealthy. You clearly do not move your body on a daily basis. You should know better. Right. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, you know, we, we sit here and we think like that, right? Because it's just like in our brains and through experience and through personal practice, but we look out, right? Like we get outside of like this room um, and we just look out there and we're just like, oh my gosh, 
why can't all these people just be grownups, right? Because we could say that about everything. Back to the alcoholic conversation, it's like, be a grownup, don't drink. You know what I mean? But it's just not that easy, right? Um, so the reality is there's so many people that this is like an actual, this is a conversation that they're having, whether with themselves or with a coach that they want uh, to, to hold them accountable to this thing to get, to get moving and to get to this goal and they're doing the dance and blah, blah, blah. So the, the reality is it's, it's, it's a problem, right? Like Americans aren't moving. And that's, um, and that's what I'm saying is that the entertaining of the question is a power grab. That's my point, right? We're, we're entertaining the question and inside the conversation because it makes people money and it makes the whole dance work. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. So what's the, what's, what do you do against that? You tell that client, you're being fucking lazy, right? And you got to find some purpose in life. And I have, I have all the skills and I just laid it out in front of you. You can't do that. That's not my shit, right? You got to find time, right? Oh, I, I don't know. You do know. Actually, I just told you it's right there. So it, that's, that's the, yeah. that's, that's the thing. Right and it's also the mistake that we make that you and I have made numerous. And that was in that conversation is that we assume that intelligence leads to people having this forethought for what vitality means, right? which I find interesting as well, um, that they just can't put those things together, right? Um, and we just see it, we saw it last night, right? Jordan Peterson thinks that vitality is just eating meat, right? And he probably will go down, you know, screaming that out, right? So you think about that in terms of intellect and brain, right? And mind, yeah, but that's, that's dumb, actually. That's, that's one of the stupidest uh, positions <laughs> that someone could, no, honestly, it's I the agree. stupidest position someone could take, right? But uh, who am I to say that? Anyways, so we, we, we shouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah, but it goes uh, back but I think to... It's a, I think it's the... Because your example that you were just walking through, that was you working with someone, having a conversation with someone, right? Like where you're just like, why are, this is stupid. Like, just, just do the thing. And then to George's point of like, you know, um, you're, you're probably not going to... Like you, James, if you started coaching people again, you like, let's say you had 15 people that you were coaching a year from now, you wouldn't have that conversation with them, right? What? That this conversation, like this wouldn't even be an issue. Which it's one? Th- the, 20, the, the current one or the 25 years ago? No, no, no. Answer. The, the Thanksgiving, them coming oh. to you and saying like, James, dude, I got to, how do I, how do I become consistent? Yeah. You, yeah. I don't, I don't think your client so a year from now would even ask you that agree. question. Agree. So if you're going on that point or you're going to use that as an argument for those people today and it being reality, uh, then you should listen to my words when I say the coach has to believe. If you don't believe then that person, without even talking to you, will sniff out that you're a fraud. They'll, they'll sniff it out. So if, if you're like, oh, deep down, uh, you know, I actually don't believe in what James talks about for autonomy and people having this knowledge acquisition, they, they just get right in front of them, take responsibility, do these habits, et cetera. If I don't believe in that, and then you're going to entertain, I sh- I'm going to have people show up in front of me because they sniff that I'm ready to do the dance with them. That's what humans will find that. Oh, you agree with me? Yeah, we just saw this with the elections, right? Uh, you know, uh, but the person who thinks about it is like, if you actually, guys, you're if full you guys, of shit. If you guys aren't on YouTube, you got to go to YouTube to see James's zombie, oh, his zombie yeah. mm-hmm. thing. That was good. Yeah, you get my point that, that, you know, that, you know, so to your point to, to today, yeah. But people should say, well, why would people not ask me that question today? That's what we should be having a conversation on. Yeah, and then, I'm and then if you're a young coach, you know, you know the simple fix? I just told you. You need to believe in the concept that people can be free movers and free thinkers and that there's simple rules in place that we could follow, eat real food, move every day, learn and adapt, right? And as again, we, we can call that more so. But I just gave you the answers, right? Yeah, so 
my my point on that it wasn't to argue with you my point on that was to say you, your clients a year from now wouldn't ask you that question bringing it back to george's point on you're not having the conversation a year from now you already set those expectations right like there was oh, yeah. that learning and teaching process that happened in the first few months of you working with your client that you just started with today where that's not even a concern uh, a year from now right so like mm-hmm. i don't i think that's what georgia yeah. was saying in, in her response yeah. um so you know, there's, there's different scenarios though, right? Like we're, we're, we're looking at this, like, okay, I'm a coach and I have someone that I'm working with. I think that's easy. If the coach believes and the coach actually teaches that client, Hey, this is what this thing looks like long-term for you. And maybe that's not you and I in five years. Right. Um, so that question isn't being asked, but we're also talking to the person that's like, I don't have a coach, right? Like I'm, I'm one of these, you know, 40% of Americans that move zero times per day. Mm. It's like, do I need, do I need, what do I need to get started? Right. It's just like, you know, if we, if we laid out a roadmap for that person, it wouldn't be nuanced, right? It'd be like walk around the block and we do already some ups, right? Yeah. So we already told them. So, um, so that's my point is that, it, you know, it sounds like I'm saying they're lazy. So let's just say I didn't say that, but I'm just saying that they don't want to. That's what we can't, that's what we don't want to have a discussion on. And that's what that 40% doesn't want to talk about. Oh, it's time. It's access. It's all these other excuses. No, you actually don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you say that to me, now at least we're in the same arena and I can go help someone who's willing to like transform and change. Right. But if you're not, it's like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Now we're, we're entertaining that notion to the 40%, right. To your point, which is, it's kind, right. It's compassionate, right. Let's speak to those individuals who could be out there who are saying they don't have time, saying they don't have access, maybe they really do believe it, we have the answers for you, right? And guess where you're going to find them? It's inside of yourself. You're the person that's going to figure that out, right? Um, and they gotta, anyways, they got to find it. I like the idea of uh, framing the holidays as an opportunity for the autonomous free movers that we've hopefully created in our clients or that we've created in ourselves to pay it forward to the family uh, that they have around them. Because, you know, this this is a time where people go home. We're going back to Michigan. Uh, People are traveling, being with family. How can you think of that as an opportunity? Um, And coaches, like how can you challenge your clients to think of that as an opportunity to teach one thing? To, and not in like a, you know, look at me, I'm so fit kind of a way, but in a really kind, generous way, encourage the people around you to engage in some healthy behaviors, go for a walk together, play a game together, cook a healthy family meal together. Um, maybe we need to start having that conversation when it comes to the holiday season. Absolutely. You have so much of this time of year where families are together and they end up in the family room or around the kitchen table or uh, watching TV or old mo- or holiday movies together when there are there are a number of things they could be doing that would create physical activity but a lot of people just run out of those ideas you know so just being the person who's bringing those ideas hey how about we go do x y and z and having a list of uh new and exciting activities that everyone could do together is a great way to contribute uh and you know not necessarily like preaching teaching but uh yeah i mean how how often do you get to go snowshoeing right like have you ever tried snowshoeing? Like we could go do something new together and have a great experience as a family. And then everyone's active and participating without killing your parents <laughs> have a heart attack because they're out in the cold and they're unfit. <laughs> I just think about all the, you know, in a lot of homes of the, uh, of f- formative years pieces, uh, in two points going back. Yeah. I think there's this, there's energy that that avatar individual brings to the family of the like fit, fit person, right? Oh, you and your low fat, what's new to, what's the newest thing today? Right. Um, but I think we need to flaunt that 
You see, that, that's the energy because I think that's been squashed with shame and guilt for so many years that we learned in our formative years, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're bringing it back to that family. And I would agree with you. I think that's an honorable thing, right? To like pass that information on. I'm not seeing it really catch, I think, with all the shit that's already formatively built into the family and the family atmosphere. It doesn't mean I don't want people to, to kind of try, but just don't forget to, number one, flaunt it. Don't, don't just be, you know, taking the hits as being, oh, the fit guy with the newest, you know, thing, right? Really speak honestly about it, you know? Uh, why we want to go snowshoeing? Because I care about you, right? I care about you. I love you. I want you to be around. I think if you experience nature and do these things, I think it's going to benefit you. Oh, it's not a new exercise. Like, no, fuck you, right? That, no, it's got nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? If you really mean it. So just be prepared for all the, the bullshit family stuff that comes into place when you're back. That I apologize for the swearing. It's just, I guess... I just, love that, I, I just love that you said, I love you and F you in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Uh, no, but, it's, no, but it's, I have it's experienced what James is talking about. I have been that in, in family events and social events. And it's definitely not a fun position because no matter how hard you are really trying to help and care, it's just kind of seen as like, oh, that's you. It's different. It's different for yeah. you. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to keep going on that one. That passive aggressive stuff, though, has to end. And it has to end by us doing it. Because it's still... It's still it still pervades in the family and the uh, and the holidays and whatnot. And we were just like, the whole time is just two weeks of this buildup of like, fuck, you know, I won't, I won't piss anyone off by that comment. But it's those little things where we have to say, I think all of us need to stand up and say, what do you mean by that? What do you actually mean by that? Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's going to entertain a conversation of them recognizing they have some big time issues and are so insecure in themselves that they're trying to project it on you. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not always the case, but that's most times the case. And that needs to stop. Right? That's the only way we're going to move it forward when we go back. Because otherwise, they're going to think we're a fraud. Right? We're just trying to pass on the newest trend to them. But if they see that they're, we're questioning their intentions, they're going you know, to get caught. Right? And now it's a time for us to swoop in and be like, no, I care about you like a lot. And this is why I'm recommending these things, mm -hmm. right? But if it's the other way around, we're always seen as the fitness meathead, trendy, whatever, addict with his jaw closed shut, <laughs> putting <laughs> peanut butter and stuff. <laughs> these guys, what the hell are you up to now? missed out uh, in between the uh, oh, it's, uh, yeah. chat. Sorry, guys. Carl's diet for two weeks. Yeah, broken Eggs, jaw. Don't break almond butter and never, jam. Yeah, never break your jaw. I've actually, have you ever like, you know, because those things end up on a plate when your mouth is not wired shut. Yeah. Uh, like almost just inconspicuously. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that? Delicious. Yeah. It's so yeah. good, right? Yeah. So Why good. from the start did we not just like yeah, pile like all that little, stuff together? A little like sweet potato or some toast with that would be really good. Well, that's the thing is the toast like kind of lost a bit of its jam. It kind of fell over into the oh. eggs. And then, you know, you may have had some, <laughs> some uh, almond butter. Uh, on the side too they all came together and you kind of just swiped that all together at one time man that was a yeah. winner that's how you came up with that to feed yourself for two weeks probably it, it yeah. blended one time yeah. and you're yeah, like yeah. Oof. it was like something in my brain was exactly like, so it was stuck back the there consistency <laughs> was perfect for using my tongue to chew and mm -hmm. you know there's enough protein and some fat yeah question right. if you use your tongue to chew is it 30 times say, or uh, uh how many chews it's like when you give your dog peanut butter have you ever seen that <laughs> yes. it's it's the same thing that goes on <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds yeah. like that by the way there's there's sound you gotta, on that you gotta one. watch the video for that one yeah. yeah uh it's like the it's like the map continuum so it's four times if you're using your tongue got so it. race paces with your teeth and then uh you're training with your tongue got it mm. that's good that's man. intense <laughs>
if you connected mu- music to that, I would have like <laughs> had to take 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, Get to know our host and a sneak peek behind the scenes of the Live A Larger Life show when you follow us on Instagram at Live A Larger Life. We look forward to chatting with you there. Okay, so life proofing your movement. We've just netted out on you have to believe. You have to want it. You have to believe. You have to choose. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. And we yeah, kept going it. back to, you know, trying to come up with ways to nudge people into, well, how do I get to that point of belief? How do I, how do I get to falling in love with the, the idea that we're proposing, right? Mm-hmm. How do we get to that place? And uh, we, we, don't take that, we don't take that lightly. You know, we know that we sit here saying those things, like you mentioned, Carl, with like, you know, there's not a lot of people outside of this room that are doing those things, right? But we take that very heavily. Like, it's our responsibility to be able to, like, you know, tell people that it's right in front of them and it's available. Um, so hopefully they got that or they get that energy from what we're trying to help yeah. with. Yeah, it's almost like uh, we want everyone to experience what we've experienced, right? Yeah. And we could go for on for hours of all the wonderful things we got from physical expression and uh, developing relationships with other people who love that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, that those are books of those are fantastic books, but we just don't we don't talk about it a lot. So we want you guys to experience what we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to make fitness as not doing fitness on a daily basis or moving your body on a daily basis as disgusting as not showering every day. Mm. I know some people who don't shower every day. Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people that don't, but it's disgusting, it is. even though they don't do it, right? It like, is. you know, that's why, you know, we usually use something like brushing your teeth, right? Where mm. it's like, ah, oh, that's just too, everyone's going to, well, most people I think are going to brush their teeth or um, eating breakfast. It's like, well, everyone's going to break their fast, right? But showering is one of those things where it's just like, you should do it every day. Yeah. Just because you don't doesn't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should yeah. shower. You should you know, just clean your body every yeah, day. Yeah, it does make me think about some of those, <laughs> some of those areas of agreements <laughs> we have in civilization <laughs> versus what you choose to do. Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. This, uh, this Fitness episode. for breakfast. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say this episode's coming out the week before Thanksgiving. So uh, hopefully people that are heading home for the holidays can take uh, what we shared today with them and yeah. be, be that exemplar for yeah. their family. Or giving them some confidence yeah. to, you know, if you need more help on that and you feel, you know, we can give you a little bit more, uh, don't hesitate to ask. Contact and if you're, us. And if you're a coach, do it yourself first, right? Yeah, for sure. You got you to gotta stand up at that supper table and... <laughs> With your shirt off. Yeah. The politics of fitness. That's what you got to go after, <laughs> right? The supper table. <laughs> we don't talk about politics or fitness. That's what I was going to say. Politics and religion are usually off the table, right? When the big families are together, but you're bringing it. You're bringing politics yep. of fitness. Yeah. Take a this page time. out of our book and just uh-huh. hit it all. Yeah. <laughs> what do we I just want to start. What the hell is this bread doing on the table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just from the outset. <laughs> Uh, all right. Don't pick on alcohol. <laughs> if you want, if you want to go that route, go in soft, right? Just go with the bread. Yeah. Next year we'll give you tools for the alcohol yep. one. <laughs> we'll get through three more shows. We'll have everyone prohibitionist by the time the next year, next Thanksgiving rolls around. <laughs> oh, you, you I, want I Georgia? Love, I love. Good I'll come bread. up with some good stories. Yeah. Good bread. I love a good wine. They're basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up there yeah thanks thanks for joining us on this episode if you're on youtube please like subscribe and join us in the comments below